In the little town of Quebra Acha, near Marielle in western Cuba, there's a Congo-descended musical instrument called the Kinfuiti, whose sound connects the land of the living with the land of the dead. The tambor de los muertos, says Cuban musicologist Sonia Perez Casola, the drum of the dead. Only one group in Cuba still plays the Kinfuiti, Ta Maquende Yaya. We'll hear them today. Hello, Georges Collinet and Ned Sudlett on Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Today, another hip-deep episode, Cuban counterpoint of tobacco and sugar. A road trip to sacred musical spaces in Western Cuba with our longtime Afropop Worldwide collaborator, Ned Sublet. Hello, Ned. Hey, George, you're looking sharp as always. And we'll talk to our longtime Cuban collaborator, Caridad Diez, later on in the program about big news in rumba. So, Ned, where do we begin? Let's catch a boat across the bay from La Habana Vieja to the old waterfront barrio of Regla. Hundreds of thousands of African prisoners disembarked from slave ships into what for many of them would be a brief lifetime in the rural death camps of sugar. Slave owners worked their sugar labor force to death in eight to ten years, working them 20 hours a day in the peak season. Because that was cheaper than having twice as many laborers to feed during the dead time of year when there was nothing for them to do. As they dropped dead from overwork, they were replaced with fresh arrivals from Africa, which had the effect of continually replenishing Afro-Cuban culture. Regla, where African culture disembarked for generation after generation in the heads and souls of the captives, is the home of the Church of the Virgin of Regla. It's right there by the water. The Virgin of Regla is syncretized in the Yoruba pantheon with the Orisha Yemaya, the blue and white clad deity of the sea and the mother of the world. So believers come to the church to pray to Yemaya. Regla was also where the first Abaqua Potencia, or lodge, was established in 1835. Abaqua, the secret society for man which conserves traditions of the Calabar region of Africa. Ever since the first lodge was organized, the Abaqua have been a potent force in Afro-Cuban cultural life. In Regla, we visited Los Guiros de San Cristobal, led by Andres Jacinto Balaes Chenique. They welcomed us to the Museum of Regla, a few doors down from the church, with a powerhouse program of singing, drumming and dancing, before going off to play a ceremony. As the drums started to play that triple-time abaqua rhythm, a figure costumed as the abaqua ireme, or diablito, in the striking and singular costume that's very familiar to people in Regla, with a triangular burlap headpiece, fringed and tasseled, that covers his face with two big upholstered eyes at the top. A checkerboard suit that alternates white squares with red, green, and black ones. In his right hand, a staff, and in his left, a raffia whisk. Around his waist, campanas or bells. You can hear him shaking his waist to make the bells ring. On Afropop Worldwide. 
Los Guiros de San Cristóbal, recorded especially for Afropop Worldwide Hip Deep. More drums on the way. I'm Josh Collinet with Ned Sablet on Afropop Worldwide. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. Now, Ned, you've been in Cuba a lot since President Obama's diplomatic opening of December 17, 2014. Yes. In 2016, I led three intensive seminars to Western Cuba, bringing musicians, producers, and listeners from the U.S. in a kind of rolling music festival with a historical narrative, visiting endangered species of drums, and studying the dynamics of sacred fiestas. You used to do this back in the day. Yeah, I led several music trips to Cuba in the early years of the 21st century for Afropop Worldwide and others. But in 2003, President George W. Bush clamped down on relations with Cuba, and I had to stop. Thirteen years later, after President Obama made it possible, I started up taking people to Cuba again. Well, some people are saying that the Obama opening has done nothing to change conditions in Cuba. Based on what I've seen, that is so not true. The Obama opening has had a profound effect on life in Cuba, and it's been good for music. Unfortunately, it may well become toast under the Trump administration. We'll see. Let your congressperson know what you think about relations with Cuba. Most of what we'll hear today is traditional Afro-Cuban music, right? That's right. And in pretty much everything you're hearing today, by the way, the musicians are playing for dancers, most definitely including the tambores yuca. There's only one tambor yuca group left. As far as we know, Prudencio Rivera Chacon's family in the hills outside Vinales is the only group in Cuba that still plays these drums, which is incredible and sad. At one time, these drums were heard across a broad swath of the Cuban sugar zone. These are drums from Congo culture in Cuba. Now, Ned, remind us who the principal African cultures in Cuba are. The big three are Congo, Carabali, and Yoruba. And there's also Arara from present-day Benin and Ganga from present-day Sierra Leone. These break down into subgroups. Of all of these, the Congo was the first to be well-established by the 1590s, if not earlier. So, picture this. We're in a mango grove on a hillside. As you can hear, it's a little windy at the moment. 
food and drink are basic to the performance, and they're roasting a piglet, getting ready to serve the visitors hot chunks of roasted meat served on large leaves. Aguardiente, firewater made from sugarcane, is being passed around in jicara shell cups. It's a warm January day, but it's cloudy and drizzling. The hillside is muddy and slippery. They're tuning the drums now, the old school way. They lay the drums flat on the ground and set a bundle of dried grass aflame in front of the drum heads to warm them up and soften them. Prudencio says, we start playing for the ancestors at one in the afternoon and sometimes we don't stop until the next day. When they have their celebrations, the drum calls from the hillside and neighbors come from miles around to eat, drink, sing, drum, and most of all, dance. And here we go. This is a classic African-style three-drum group, two on rhythm and one on lead. The drums are made from hollowed-out avocado tree trunks, which the drummers stand astride in stick-horse position, tying the drums around their backsides with rope. The two outside drums set up the steady rhythm. They're played with a stick in the left hand and a bare right hand. One of those drums is also being played by a second drummer leaning down with a stick who whacks out a rhythm on the lower part of the shell of the drum. Prudencio's playing the middle drum, which plays the leads or comments, and which is played with bare hands, not sticks. Another man wields a pair of claves that are not refined hardwood sticks, but two sticks from a tree. The music is based on intense repetition, and they can jam on a one-line song for a long time. Here they are singing, The Congo King Must Come, El Rey del Congo Tiene Que Venir, even as the rain starts to get heavier. Familia Rivera and their Grupo Tambores Yuca on Afropop Worldwide, Hip Deep. Today, Cuban counterpoint of tobacco and sugar, a road trip to sacred site in western Cuba. Georges Collinet. And Ned Zablet. Now, let's go to the town of Quiebra Acha and the Kinfuti. An instrument that was at one time common in Cuba. But if it doesn't sound like a drum to you, that's because it's not a drum that you hit, it's a drum you pull. A friction drum that produces a sustained tone. 
A cord, it looks like a thick rope, is inside the drum, attached to the center of the drum head. The player pulls on the cord with wet hands. You might be familiar with this principle from the sound you get moving a straw up and down in the slit of a plastic soda cup lid. I had read about the Kinpuiti in the writings of Fernando Ortiz, who documented the presence of over a hundred different African drums in Cuba. But I didn't think I'd ever get to hear a Kinpuiti in real life. Then I heard Tama Cuende Yaya in the little town of Quebracha. In the context of the ensemble, the Kinfuiti plays underneath the drums and the singing. It doesn't pop out, but you can hear it at the bottom, sending out that communication from the land of the living to the land of the dead. Tamakwende Yaya's Bakongo musical tradition comes from slavery days, but the world changes. We can't really say this is exactly how the music sounded back then, can we? We should never think we know how it sounded back then, although we have an idea. The music is at the service of what people need today. It's a living thing. Like I said, Tamakwende Yaya is a Congo-associated group, but they also played us music for the Yoruba Orishas. You can hear them singing their names, which doesn't sound anything like what the Yoruba-descended groups of Cuba play. Here they are, singing to Obatala, the Yoruba deity of justice and wisdom and creator of humankind. Kwende Yaya from Quiebra Acha in western Cuba. Georges Collinet. And Ned Sublet. Bueno, para hacer un tabaco, se necesitan cinco hojas diferentes de dos variedades de plantas. That's Eulogio Montesino saying that to make a cigar, you need five leaves from two plants. One grows in sun, one in shade. Pero todas son importantes porque cada una cumple su función. The Montesinos raise premium cigar tobacco on their farm and sell it to the state. And they grow other things as well. Coffee, avocados, fruit. They have a beautiful, well-cared-for tractor. These people work incredibly hard, and they also open their farm to visitors and show them what they do. Serve them coffee, 
and sell them fine, unbranded cigars. Si quiere fumar tabaco, si quiere tomar café, le daba vuelta al trapiche, igualito a mamá Inés. Sunaid, this trip, you called it Cuban counterpoint of tobacco and sugar? With apologies to Fernando Ortiz, whose landmark 1940 book analyzed the Cuban character in terms of the very different lifestyles associated with cultivation of tobacco versus sugar. To grow fine tobacco is artisanal, whereas sugar is brutal back-breaking work. Pinar del Rio, the westernmost part of the island, is the most famous, though not the only, tobacco zone in Cuba, while the heartland of sugar is in the provinces of Havana and Matanzas. So it's not only about music. It's also about spaces, architectural spaces, social spaces, 500 years of historical spaces and sacred sites. Cuba has the most remarkable set of spaces to hear music in that frame how we hear and understand it. In Matanzas, at the magnificent San Severino Castle, we had a mighty encounter with Afro-Cuba de Matanzas. In March 2016, the group's distinguished co-founder and leader, Francisco Zamora Chirino, better known as Menini, made an effort to be present at our event, though he was in ill health. And with high seriousness, he answered all questions. When we returned in November, Menini had physically disappeared, but he was still a presence. And before he died, he had the satisfaction of having set his group on the path and knowing they would continue. Afro Cuba de Matanzas performed for us there with all the joy that the Santos bring. But if you talked to them, you could hear their sadness at losing their leader. Their singers were on the other side of the drums and I couldn't get my mic near them. Yeah, you get to get up by that singer. Although I couldn't get an ideal recording that day, listen to the part of it I could capture. That is, what these bata drums can do. I only wish you could see the elegant dancing that goes with this. But that's the beauty of radio. You can imagine it. Music of the Yoruba religion in Cuba by Afro-Cuba de Matanzas as we remember Francisco Samora Minini.
Afrokuva de Matanzas. Wow, Ned, this is rockin'. It just didn't stop. The whole time we were in Cuba, every time we were in Cuba. So, Ned, if you were in Matanzas, you must have seen Los Muñequitos de Matanzas, no? Did I see the Muñequitos? You did, didn't you? Founded in 1952. They're having their 65th anniversary this year in October. And the Muñequitos are back. After reforming the group following the deaths over the years of a number of the group's elders. There's no shortage of culturally knowledgeable youth in Matanzas where families are strong. And director Diosdado Ramos brought some powerful new talent into the group. Once again, thinking of the permanence of the group. That was a few years back already, and now the new musicians are settled in. In particular, the Muñequitos now have these two electrifying young lead singers. You see, back in the day... I think it's time to bring Caridad Jess on stage. Our longtime collaborator, who co-produced these events with me in Cuba. Her name for the post-mambo seminar is Caminos, which means roads, both in a literal and a spiritual sense. Cari's one of the biggest boosters of rumba within Cuba. She's a Latin Grammy-winning record producer for the 2001 album La Rumba Soy Yo. She produced La Rumba Más Larga del Mundo, in which groups all over the island participated in a continuous rumba that lasted for 300 consecutive hours as it moved from one end of Cuba to the other. And she's been the Muñequitos' manager for a long time. She told me about the historical importance of their style of duo singing. For a long time, the rumba solamente se cantó por un solo cantante que al principio hacía esta exposición y luego era el que, el que también inspiraba. Carrie Diaz is saying, for a long time, the rumba was only sung by a single singer who sang the exposition up front. And then that same singer would improvise the leads. Pero a partir de los muñequitos de Matanzas, de la existencia de Saldiguer y Virulilla, la rumba asume también mucho de la manera de cantar el son y la trova tradicional a dúo. But once the Muñequitos of Matanzas hit it big in Matanzas and Havana in the mid-50s, featuring the two legendary singers Saldiguera and Virulilla, the rumba took on the traditional way of singing son and trova in duet. Then when it comes time for the improvisations, the inspirations as they call them, a different singer steps forward who specializes in that. Muñequitos director Diosdado Ramos remade the group in its own image when he took his new singers aside and told Renia Lopez, you are Saldeguera, and he told Andromeya, you are Virulilla, and they did it. Listen to how these two work together in this a cappella segment, recorded live at the old high ceiling Casa del Danzón in Matanzas. Cuando 
desilusión Tal vez nunca volverá ¿A dónde irá la linda gitanilla? ¿Dónde irá la morenilla? Flor marchita y despreciada Que en la muerte de le negó por ser gitana el derecho a tener patria y de ser hija de Dios. ¿A dónde irá la linda gitanilla? ¿Dónde irá la morenilla? Flor marchita y despreciada Que la muerte de Piadanda Le negó por ser gitana El derecho a tener patria Y de ser hija de Dios y And then the whole group came in with Nino, Rafael Navarro, the great voice of Matanzas Rumba. Un día yo salí de mi casa, de mi casa, con la mente muy entretenida. scheduled to visit the Casa Templo, or House Temple, of Muñequito's elder Ana Pérez, from one of Matanzas's preeminent cultural families. But she had an initiation in progress as a madrina. A young man was being sworn to Chango, happiness radiating from his face. She invited us to the initiation. That's how it happens in Cuba. And there was dancing to the Orisha's music, of course, played on Guiros and Tumbadora. After that blessing and after dinner, we had a block party with Rumba Timba, which comes from the line of the Muñequitos and is headquartered in the same house. Paint me a picture. 
It was a hot day. Tonight it's nice. We're near the water in the port city of Matanzas, one of the great African cities of the Americas in the Barrio La Marina, on Calle Dauis, in front of the house where Diosdado Ramos of the Muñequitos and his family live. And it's also the home of the Muñequitos' new educational endeavor, the La Rumba Soyo Dance Academy, which teaches neighborhood children to dance. The block party even had an opening act. Before the rumba started, a squadron of costumed children ready to dance their hearts out. It's on a steep sloping hill, so the street's on an incline. They created a dramatic space out of their block by setting up the band at the top, roping off the street, PA system with floodlights, chairs out for special guests, and they invited all the neighbors who were delighted. Here's the young Matanzas rumba group, Rumba Timba, doing it post-mambo style at a block party in Matanzas. They're singing, I connect with Wi-Fi. Matanzas, Cuba with Rumba Timba, Cuban counterpoint of tobacco and sugar. Hit the website afropop.org. More to come, more to come, don't go away. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. I'm back with Ned Sublet, who's taking us on a post-mambo road trip to sacred spaces in western Cuba. What else you got, Ned? The legacy of sugar, Cologne, in Matanzas province. That's Eneda Villegas Zulueta, who directs the community project we were visiting. She's showing us the unrestored bell tower where, to punish a runaway, Don Julian Zulueta hung the man upside down from the bell tower by his leg until he died, then left his body hanging as a warning. They still produce sugar in Cologne today. Next to the contemporary sugar mill called the Central Mexico, 
is the former Central Alava and the ruin of a little piece of the mansion of Don Julian Sulueta. Don Julian, a Basque, was the richest man in Cuba in his day. He had 700 slaves here at his sugar works. The mansion is a ruin today, but the slave barracks, the Barracón, is still alive. Beneath the bell tower is the gate leading into the Barracón. It's still the entrance to this tight-knit community that's been there for more than 150 years. In slavery days, this gate under the bell tower was the only way in and out. They unlocked it in the morning and locked it up at 10 p.m. for the night. Many descendants of the people who were slaves there still live right there today. And many, like Eneda, have the surname of the former slave owner, Sulueta. It's a community with strong continuity. They've conserved artifacts from slavery days that have never left the premises. A ball and chain, an iron bed, an elegua. In the center of the Barracón is the largest ceiba tree I've ever seen. The ceiba is a spiritually powerful tree. It's the seat of Babaluaye, and this one is just surrounded by Ache. They played a bembe, a sacred sequence of songs to the Orishas, with the Orishas one by one dancing in costume. This is something you see a lot in folkloric productions in Cuba, but this was no show. The first time I saw them do it, the first solo dancer, the woman in red and black dancing as Elegua, went into trance right away and had to be brought back. In November, they played for us not one, but two entire cycles saluting the Santos. The first cycle was danced entirely by children, a children's bembe, with the group Omolaye. Beautiful. They were costumed as the Orishas. One is Elegua, one is Okun, one is Obatala, etc. They danced their solos. And you know how easily kids can put on a costume and just enter into the mentality of a character, right? These children were the Orishas. And then there was an entire adult's bembe, during which the child Orishas joined their respective adult Orishas, and then 86-year-old Doña Victoria, the madrina, came out dressed as Ochun, the goddess of love, and danced her, then disappeared and returned again dressed as Oya, the warrior goddess of the cemetery and strong winds, and danced her. And there was a big turnout for this locally, so there were maybe 80 voices singing the choruses in Yoruba. The choruses changed all the time, and everyone knew them all.
That's the group Iyaware Ochun, founded in 1980, playing by the Big Seba tree in the former barracón of the former Central Alava in Colón in Matanzas province in western Cuba. And then... And then we traveled to Jovellanos, one of the great African centers of Matanzas Sugarland, to meet the group Ohundegara. So, Ned, you're saying that in Cuba there's Congo, Karabali, Yoruba, Ganga, and Arara, which comes from the modern day nation of Benin, which during slavery days was called Daume. In the decade of the esclavity, came to Cuba Esteban Baró, que fue un esclavo que vino junto a su madre a la edad de nueve años. Teresa Baró is speaking about her great-grandfather Esteban Baró, who was brought from Dahomey together with his mother at the age of nine. Esteban Baró tuvo 15 hijos. She's saying Esteban Baró had 15 children and taught them the traditions that we continue practicing. And the Baró family have conserved the Arara tradition ever since. Their group is called Ohundegara, which in the Fon language means to the sound of the drum I will return to my land. There's a monument in the form of a drum in front of their house, and there's an identical one in Benin, where Ohundegara visited in the 1980s. The deities of the Arara religion are called Folusis, which word in the neighboring island of Saint-Domingue became Vodou, or Vodou. The Fodusas are similar to the Orishas of their African neighbors, the Yoruba, with whom they overlap, but they use different drums and sing in the Fon language. In Jovellanos, Cuba, the Arara group, Ohundegara. More to come, so don't go away. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, and PRI public radio international affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station.
Yoruba Andabo, the Rumba and Sacred Music group from the port zone of Havana, played for us in January, and it was the last time I got to see the group's co-founder, Giovanni Del Pino. He died four months later. But the group continues. The power of these groups is in their collectivity, and Yoruba Andabo has its own style, its own culture. And like Afrokuba de Matanzas after losing Menini, Yoruba Andabo will continue its own way forward. Rumba is in a good place right now, right? Oh yeah. In November, UNESCO placed the Rumba on its list of world cultural heritage. Along with Dominican merengue, the Ugandan Madibo lyre music and dance. And Belgian beer. UNESCO described Rumba in their declaration as an expression of resistance and self-esteem. Which is certainly true. This recognition was a very big deal for the Cuban rumberos. Why does it mean so much to them? You know, rumba wasn't even considered music by the recording industry because it was nothing but complex percussion and singing. Music began to be recorded in Cuba in the first decade of the 1900s. But the rumba wasn't recorded until 1948, and that was in New York by Chano Pozo and by Carlos Vidal. En nuestro cuarto bendito de un solo pan comeremos Y con lo que tú trabajes yo podré comprarme un traje Y los domingos saldremos Habla The first rumba hit record in Cuba was in 1956 with El Vive Bien by Alfredo Sayas' group. It was followed by Los Papines and Los Muñequitos, and then came the Cuban Revolution. Today, there's a large rumba community centered in the zones around Matanzas and Havana, but there are also professional rumba groups in every province of Cuba, state accredited as legitimate cultural entities. There's a great young group called Osain del Monte who played the party for the Rolling Stones in April 2016, along with Pedrito Martinez, who's shining big time these days playing rumba around the world based out of New York. That's Caridad Jess again, saying the rumba can be done using anything. She's been working for many years at the heart of a collective process that began by gathering signatures locally, which in turn led to the rumba being declared national heritage by Cuba in 2012, then being nominated by Cuba to UNESCO. This is an enormous honor for the rumba.
BTS. El ritmo de la rumba, toda la parte rítmica, generalmente se hace con tumbadoras. Carrie is saying that the rhythm is generally done with conga drums, boxes and other percussion instruments. But in the beginning it was done with work tools, which could be a hoe, a piece of wood, a drawer from a piece of furniture, a table, a chair, frying pan, a stew pot, or playing a bottle with two spoons. It could be done a cappella, vocally, or percussing parts of the body. Cari described how the rumba developed in Cuban society after the revolution of 1959. Cari is saying that from the first moments of the revolutionary triumph, the state began to create institutions, including the Conjunto Folclórico Nacional. They began to organize institutions that preserved popular arts through the Casas de Cultura and community work, where rumba groups began to professionalize, even to the point of receiving state support. People for whom this is their job. This has brought dignity to all these people, who before were on the bottom of the social pyramid. They still have situations to deal with but they also have a basic stability. The announcement by UNESCO came at a time, though, when no partying could take place. You mean... Georges, I was in the world's greatest dance hall. La Tropical. We had gone there to hear Elito Reve y su charangón. Your old favorites. I hadn't seen them in so long. It was wonderful. There were a couple of thousand people out there dancing in this split-level outdoor dance hall. It was a beautiful night, lovely vibe, and suddenly in the middle of the fourth or maybe fifth number, the band stopped playing and walked off stage. I thought, did the power go out? No, the lights were on. The MC came to the stage and said, Fuerza Mayor, Murió Fidel Castro. Out of our control, Fidel Castro died. We have to suspend the activity. How did the crowd respond? It was so quiet. Not even a gasp. Nothing. People began filing out of the dance hall. I got a cab and told the driver what had happened, and he said, No me diga eso. Don't tell me that. Yo soy fidelista. I'm a fidelista. All public activities, music, theater, discotheques, sports, were prohibited. They called it suspended for a nine-day period of mourning. No alcohol sales during that time either, except in the tourist enclaves. Cuba without music? I can't imagine. It was strange. I've never been anywhere where music was forbidden, let alone for nine days. It's not the Afro-Cuban way of dealing with death, where people dance while they weep. The country continued working, but the musicians had an involuntary furlough that cost them two weekends of gigs, while TV covered the memorial and funeral procession across the country nonstop. What was it like, Ned? I saw people crying. People were genuinely affected, and I think many Cubans were surprised at the strength of their own emotion. With no music to express it. But there was one song that provided catharsis. It was seen in a video clip that repeated on Cuban TV as a kind of official valedictory. 
The clip, which was shot at the recording session, closes with a timestamp: 7 a.m. November 26th, less than 12 hours after Fidel's death was announced. Flash arranged by Pancho Amat, recorded in Havana's Abdallah Studios. It begins with the voice of the song's composer, Raul Torres. It's called Cabalgando con Fidel, riding with Fidel, referring to horses. With a triple-time clave feel, the first verse says, They say that in the plaza, the Plaza de la Revolución, where Cubans went by the hundreds of thousands to pay their respects, in these days there have been sightings of Camilo and Martí on horseback, that's Camilo Cienfuegos, Fidel's comrade in the revolution, and José Martí, father of the Cuban nation. And, out in front of the caravan, walking slowly without a rider, un caballo para ti, a horse for you. The song doesn't look forward. It centers on the image of a riderless horse, lingering on that symbol of loss. But the beauty and precision of the singer's performances affirm that Cuba will continue. You see 26-year-old Luna Manzanares wearing her collares, the necklaces that signify affiliation with the Yoruba religion. Bata drums are heard at one point. There's a line in the song, There's not an altar without a light for you, implying that the spiritual traditions of Cuba are converging in grief. This is almost certainly the U.S. radio premiere of this song, which everyone in Cuba knows by now. Raúl Torres, Cabalgando con Fidel. Dicen que en la plaza en estos días se les ha visto cabalgar a Camilo y a Martí. Delante de la caravana Lentamente sin jinete Un caballo para ti Vuelven las heridas que nos sanan De los hombres y mujeres que No te dejaremos ir Hoy el corazón nos late afuera Y tu pueblo aunque le duela no te quiere despedir Hombre Los agradecidos te acompañan Como anhelaremos tus hazañas Ni la muerte cree que se apoderó de ti Hombre Aún no sé andar bien sin ti 
los agradecidos te acompañan Como anhelaremos tus hazañas Ni la muerte cree que se apoderó de ti Hombre, aprendimos a saberte eterno Así como lo vi Jesucristo No hay un solo altar sin una luz por ti Ya no caben más corceles llegando de otro confín Una multitud desesperada de héroes de espaldas aladas Que se han dado cita aquí Y delante de la caravana lentamente sin jinete un caballo para ti Find us on Facebook and tweet us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Ned Sublet. If you want to go on a future post-mambo music seminar in Cuba, write post-mambo, P-O-S-T-M-A-M-B-O, at Gmail. Thanks to all our travelers who made this dream experience possible. Field recordings were made by me and by Stephen Coates and for El Almacén, Luis Brand. Special thanks to Bruce Goldberg for assembling the clips. We had help from Luis Pedroso and Isabel Reynoso of the Patio de Tataguinas in Guinness, where we also went to. Lourdes Martinez, Lourdes Diez, Lucy Amoros, Doris Céspedes, Jesús Hernández, Jesús García, Ben Sokolov, y a todos los demás que son muchos. Thanks to Mylin Sánchez Maldonado at Amis Tour, and Jorge Rodríguez at Mar Azul, and to the Instituto Cubano de la Música. And join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. 
Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan and Stephanie LeBeau. Benning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Akornifa Achia. And I am Georges Collinet. Public Radio International.